With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my permanent co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and of the Dynasty's Child podcast at the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, how are you today? Ooh, um, well, I was traveling out to LA during the game today, so apparently I'm doing quite a bit better than those folks who watched it. But uh, it's been a, been a busy travel day. Got delayed coming out of Chicago, as usual. But got to L.A. okay. I have sufficiently in and outed myself, and I'm ready to go. Oh, that's a good call. That is a very good call. I've heard very good things about in and out I've never been. It's tasty. I mean, it's a fast food burger. So it's not like people – I feel like – so I'm, I'm going to go, go on a little rant here real quick before we get going. Okay. I like rants. So, a lot of – a lot of expectations get put on burgers, in and out being one of them. You gotta, you gotta understand what these expectations are. It's a fast food burger. It's not like one of the best burgers in the world. It is, in my opinion, the best fast food burger you can get. But I'm not much of a burger guy anyway. I prefer a chicken sandwich. But like, it has much hype. And whenever people put the hype on it, and then like people try it for the first time, they're like, "Oh, it's a fast food burger." Like, yeah. I mean, what'd you expect? What is um, animal style? So that's another thing I I talk about. So it's (laughs) – I got got some fries with my burger. Got my my fries animal style. And it's uh, with like chopped and grilled onions and their In-N-Out sauce, which is very obviously Thousand Island dressing uh, and cheese. But uh, (laughs) they don't – they just call it like their signature sauce. Okay. I guess admitting that it's Thousand Island dressing is kind of lame. It's a bit different for the burgers. If you get your burgers animal style, they like bake mustard into the patties. A little do a little extra. I'm not a big fan of that, but the fries animal style is good stuff. Okay. Well, that sounds really good. Um, for for my money, and at, at the risk of sounding basic here, um, my favorite fast food burger is five guys and i know that five guys has been around for a long time but i still every time i go to five guys and i get a bacon cheeseburger and i load that shit up it is so good uh just so incredibly good and um i love it so i would eat a five guys burger over basically anything it's fair i feel like five guys in and out and i've heard Good things about um, Shake Shack. Shake Shack's good, but it doesn't compare, in my opinion, to Five Guys. I don't think I've ever had Shake Shack. I feel like Patrick is a big believer in Shake Shack, and I keep confusing it with Steak and Shake, and Steak and Shake isn't that great. So I keep telling him it's trash. 
<laughs> but I don't think it's I've actually ever had it, it. It's good, but you know what? It's it's not it's not the best. But anyhow, this is a Red Sox podcast, believe it or not. <laughs> um, if you have strong opinions about fast food burgers, though, please do tweet those to us. It is at Dev Jake, oh, yeah. and it is at the Spoken Keats. Uh, tweet us both, and we would like to hear your thoughts on burgers. Um, that type of stuff really amuses me. So let's begin um, by addressing the elephant in the room. By the way, this is your uh, Monday, July 22nd edition of the podcast. Um, But we did get two listener questions, and all of our listener questions were from people that sounded like they were about to jump off a bridge. So, um, you know, no one do that. But um, our first two that I want to talk about are the questions from Mike Teague and Ben Jacobson, two regular listeners. So thank you, Mike and Ben. Mike asks, if the Sox are sellers after the embarrassing Baltimore series, referring to this weekend's debacle, who do you trade away of the guys who have short-term deals? Uh, Betts and JD are safe, in my opinion, but who do you deal? And then Ben Jacobson asks, so are we going to sell now? Do you think they should trade away Kashner, Holt, Porcello, Bradley, Workman, and JD at the deadline? Is it really worth buying at this point? So... I'm going to get to all the points of these questions with you, Keaton, um, but I'm going to take this as a larger question. Are the Red Sox now, after this debacle against Baltimore, um, they're still nine games over 500. They're only, let me look at it, uh, they're only three games back of the second wild card spot right now. Uh, a lot of games back of the division. Are the Red Sox now sellers rather than buyers moving forward to the trade deadline no they should still be buyers if they are anything at all in my opinion so i agree with you i still think that the red Sox are buyers um or or, let me say this i don't agree with you that they're necessarily buyers but i also don't think they're sellers um I think the Red Sox are close enough. They they have a win dif- uh, sorry run differential I should say of plus fifty two, which is sort of right in line with a lot of these teams competing for the wild card spot. Um, I think their bullpen looks pretty good right now, which we'll talk about uh, later in the show. Um, but I think that what they're actually going to do is stand pat right now. Yeah, that's why I said if they're anything at all, kind of put that uh, not a preface because it came post call it a post fist um on that there because i i don't i'm not entirely sure that they are going to make any other moves just because they're afraid of that luxury tax but i don't think that they should be sellers because the the talent on the roster should be good enough to make up the gap and get in as a wild card team and the pitching still has some things to figure out but you I mean you figure once you get to the playoffs bryce and rodriguez are fine sale is probably going to be okay so you're just trying to figure out one more slot in the rotation maybe that ends up being a Valdi uh, by the time we get to the playoffs maybe Porcello has figured his shit out by the time we get there but right now I'm kind of leaning towards just to not even have him in there at all but there's there's enough time from between now and um, the trade deadline and enough time between now and the end of the season to make up three games on the teams that are ahead of them because um, they've already started to come back down to earth. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, most notably, has come crashing back down to earth. Uh, They were 
leading the division for quite some time. And now they're only two games ahead of the Red Sox. Uh, one game coming into the day. But the Red Sox have a chance to make up uh, all of that ground and push themselves ahead of Tampa Bay. Uh, they have games against Cleveland coming up. I uh, cannot remember if they have games against Oakland when we we're going through that. But they do not. Their they fate don't. is. They don't play Oakland again. Their fate is still mostly in their hands here. And um, the, I mean, the offense is the best offense in baseball right now. There's no one scoring more runs than they are. Even with this anemic performance uh, against Baltimore these last three games, um, game two notwithstanding, but the, the offense is really killing it. It's the pitching that needs to straighten itself out. And the talent that's there, especially in the rotation, the talent's there to figure it out. So I would, if they are anything, I would say they're buyers because it just doesn't make sense to sell and particularly lose a season of like Betts and Martinez uh, when you have the skill and ability to compete and they should be competing. Yeah. Um, so let's let's paint a scenario here, and I agree with what you said. Um, but they have nine games against Tampa Bay and New York before the trade deadline. They have five yeah. against Tampa in that span, four against New York at home. Um, the Tampa Bay first three of those games are on the road, but nonetheless, they do go against that, those teams. Um, let's say that something awful happens. Maybe they go um, two and seven, or oh and nine or one and eight or something like that and they drop to a level where realistically you can now say hey this team should be a seller the difficult thing about looking at this roster is it isn't very obvious who the red Sox would even sell if they had the ability to do so um because david price chris sale those guys are locked up to long-term deals um, Eduardo Rodriguez still has a ton of control left. So I don't think you're selling any of those guys because you're going to look to contend next year. Rick Porcello, you could say, hey, maybe we, sh- we should trade Rick Porcello. But Rick Porcello has been so bad. I think he's worth more to you hoping that he turns it around than what he would give you as a return in any sort of a trade. I agree. You'd basically be, have to give him away at this point with his performance and the fact that he's he's still going to cost. I mean, we're talking about a third of the season, but a third of $21.5 million is still going to cost over $7 million the rest of the way for whoever picks him up. So the Red Sox are going to have to eat it, which, again, then is them giving him away, or whoever takes him on is going to pay him a little over $7 million for just a third of a season. And so the return the Red Sox are going to get is going to be nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, there isn't any obvious uh, attractive pieces in the bullpen that they would look to deal. Um, guys who are on one-year deals like Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland have been hurt so much that they don't really make sense as chips anymore. And then the big bats that people ask about all the time, the ones that aren't under team control, obviously, in the uh you know, for for the foreseeable future, um, Mookie Betts and Jackie Bradley, who are going to be free agents after the 2020 season, um, and JD Martinez, who has an opportunity to opt out now uh, after this year. I don't think you trade JD Martinez because I think that 
the way that J.D. Martinez's season has gone this year with injuries and the fact that he's been underperforming. And we will talk about um, how he's been performing as of late because his actual line for the season still looks really good. I, I think that J.D. Martinez ends up not opting out of this deal. So I think that by trading him, you're actually screwing yourself for the future. Talking about J.D., how do you think about that situation? Yeah, the closer that we've gotten to the end of the season and the um, – because I think I've said multiple times when we've talked about this, you kind of have to play under the assumption that he's going to opt out and kind of work the deadline with that assumption. But the closer we get to that, I think I've – it makes more sense given the the climate of free agency and uh, his age and other kind of factors there. I think that – I don't think that he's going to. I think you're right. I think he's going to stay and kind of opt in. Bradley really is the only one that would make sense to me that someone would want, and it would be mostly for the defense. Yeah, and even in that regard, I think that one year of Jackie Bradley Jr. defense to your ball club next year in 2020 is probably worth more to the Red Sox than anything you would get back for the way that Jackie Bradley Jr. has performed this season. His defense has still been solid, but offensively the struggles have still been there the overall line is not impressive I know he's been a different hitter after the first month of the season but to me the it's sort of like a Porcello situation where he's almost worth more to you than he is to someone else yeah and you think getting rid of that defense you have no internal options to fill that outfield spot unless you're gonna play JD Martinez out there every day and I think over the past week uh we've seen enough of that we don't need him out there. <laughs> His place is certainly DHing, so let's keep him there for that. So you're either gonna you're gonna have to look outside the organization in free agency to sign somebody to play the outfield, unless you're gonna I don't know move Davis out there, which wouldn't really make any sense. So I whoever you would end up getting as a free agent, I don't think would be as good as him defensively. So it, it, I would just stick with him. I, th- I think that people sometimes forget when looking at this roster just how shallow the outfield depth is. Um, especially with the Red Sox, you think of, you know, their outfield is one of the best outfields in baseball with Bradley and Betts and, and Ben Intendi. But outside of those guys, if you get rid of one of those guys, your next outfielder on your bench is Sam Travis at this point. And when you look down at the farm, there is nothing. There is there's Gorky Hernandez and Rusny Castillo and Bryce Brents and Cole Surgeon. I mean, those are the guys at AAA. And then the guys like Tate Matheny and Enuri Tavares at Portland and Jaron Duran, who is not even close to being ready, and Marcus Wilson, who's not even close to being ready. I mean, these are the other options. So the Red Sox really do need Jackie Bradley Jr. Yeah. And Betts. Betts is the last one because Betts would would be the one that would get a haul. If you trade Betts, you would get a haul back because he is one of the best players in all of baseball. But that is exactly why the Red Sox are not going to trade Betts. This organization, in my opinion, even if they think that Betts, even if they think it's more than a 50-50 chance, let's say the organization is 60-40 that Betts is going to leave, and let's say they think he's going to go sign with, I don't care, like the Dodgers or the Braves or something like that for $500 million. I still think it's worth more to them in the 
PR battle to keep him on the team, get the performance from Mookie Betts over the remainder of this season, all of next season, and be able to say, hey, look, we didn't dump you off the same way that we did with John Lester when we were thinking about maybe just letting him go and then re-signing him later. Remember when people talked about that? Um, I think they want to keep as much goodwill with this player as humanly possible. And I think that if they trade Mookie Betts, um, that will be mud on the face of the organization. And I don't think that anybody wants to do that. No, or at least I really hope they don't. So that is exactly why we think they are not going to be sellers because there's really not a whole lot of attractive options on this team. Um, to sell, especially since the Red Sox don't... It's not like they're planning on blowing this thing up. The Red Sox are planning on being competitive in 2020, even if they don't feel like they can be competitive enough to win it in 2019. Um, so I think that's that's where they're at, right? Yeah, and there's a surprisingly large amount of cash coming off the books next year. So I have... Because there's no reason to do this yet and I'm not going to do it but I've not looked at who the free agents are uh, and I'm going to force myself not to until they are not playing baseball anymore but there's a chance that they could add a free agent or two um, just due to the amount of cash that's coming off their books although Buki's, uh arbitration costs is probably going to be a bit hefty but they only have like 150 million committed next year yeah, 159.3 uh, as of right now, not including yeah. what people's arbitration figures will be. Yeah. And arbitration is going to run it up a ton. So, because they already got, I mean, really, it's like, I don't think Devers is in our, maybe he's gotten to his first arbitration year. But, he has not. Yeah, so he's still going to be under team control, so he's not going to be that much. So it, it's. It's not going to be run up all that much, so they're going to have some room, some room to play with next year. They're going to be in a really solid position to reload, regardless of the outcome from this season going into next year. So I, that's a, I think more incentive not to blow it up and keep guys like Mookie and JD and Bradley around to retool this off season and actually put some effort into an off season and maybe build a bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to, to put that into a little bit more um, clarity here, uh, Rick Porcello, his 21 millions coming off the books next year. Betts will be in his third and final arbitration year after making 20 million this year. So that will go up significantly for him. Um, Cashner has that option that we've talked about before. Jackie Bradley Jr. is in his fourth arbitration year. He should see a raise. Um, Moreland and Pierce's money, which is about $13 million combined, comes off the books. Eduardo Rodriguez will enter his third arbitration year. We'll get probably a small-ish raise. Um, Sandy Leon um, will be in his fourth and final arbitration year. Probably will get the tiniest of raises. Um, Matt Barnes will get a significant raise. Um, Hembry and Workman uh, will get some raise. Ben Intendi is going to be in his first arbitration year, so he will be a big addition to the payroll. And then Marco Hernandez will also enter his first arb year and probably uh, get a 
somewhat substantial raise, but by and large, I don't think we're talking about like game changing money there in the arbitration. I don't, no, I don't and the, I think it's huge. The cap goes up, or not the cap, the luxury tax goes up again. So I think it, it's like 209 or somewhere around 210 for the first threshold. So they can make a couple additions, major additions in free agency and still be under the first threshold and not boogeyman themselves with cash. So I'll be interested to see what they do next year, but I don't think that's any reason for them to, it's probably more of a reason for them not to do anything and just kind of let this season play out the way it is. That's probably why, at least I hope, that's why they don't they don't want to go over the third luxury tax because they maybe see the season as a let's just see what we can do with what we have and you know if it works out it works out and if it doesn't then you know we don't have to pay an extra million bucks or whatever it is but I don't I wouldn't expect them to be sellers just because of the position that they're going to be in entering next season is pretty favorable yeah I would agree and, and let's not also rule out the fact that they could do the inverse of what I talked about and win, you know, go seven and two, go eight and one, go nine and no. Over this they stretch. They are 11 games behind New York. They could sweep these four game series and only be three behind. And if Probably that, not going to happen, but just there's a chance. Right. And if, if, if that does happen, um, I could see Dave Dombrowski adding another bullpen arm at the deadline. Yeah. Which apparently is Daniel Hudson. That kind of came out of nowhere. Daniel Hudson's looked really good. I would like that addition. That would that would not be an inconsequential piece. No. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next topic here. Um, since we were last together, uh, obviously they decided to do this uh, the day that we um, posted the podcast. But on the 15th, um, the Red Sox decided to DFA Eduardo Nunez. They optioned Hector Velasquez, um, promoted Ryan Weber, who was later uh, optioned for Nathan Eovaldi when he was activated. So, And they also decided to option Ryan Brazier and promote Darwins and Hernandez. So now the bullpen has two new additions, Darwins and Hernandez and Nathan Eovaldi. And Eduardo Nunez is off the roster, uh, and Sam Travis has been called up. So what do you make of these new moves? First of all, let me get your impressions on the DFA of Eduardo Nunez. Yeah, this is one that you and I kind of saw coming a bit. We weren't, he wasn't really doing much for the, the team, and they had an excess of really kind of like utility middle infielders, infielders in general. Um, and of all of them, he was kind of the the odd man out. It definitely wasn't going to be Chavis, even with his options. I mean, the, the bat, you just they're not in a position where they could take it out, even with the strikeouts. Holt is killing it now that his eyes are fixed. Uh, and Marco Hernandez has been a lot better in his return than people anticipated. Uh, and then Nunez has been struggling. So something had to give as people came back. And uh, you and I both kind of expected it to be Nunez and it was and you know that's we all kind of remember what he did when he first joined us with the Red Sox and he was hitting like 360 and 
getting major hits in big situations for the first few months. That was a lot of fun. And I say our homer in the World Series. But uh, wasn't doing much for him lately. So I, I think it was expected. Um, but he was a fun guy for the team. So that part was a bummer just because his presence. But, you know, sometimes uh, you have to be better than just a fun guy. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I want to appreciate Eduardo Nunez for the impact that he did have. And he did have substantial impact on the team in the time that he was here. And even he had moments in the playoffs uh, for this team as they made their World Series run. Um, Chad Jennings did an excellent piece on Eduardo Nunez's impact here. Uh, he rated, I think, the top five Eduardo Nunez moments. So if you have a subscription to The Athletic, uh, go ahead and check out that piece if you don't. Um, I urge you to subscribe. It's very good. Um, that's That sums everything up, and it really crystallized for me the fact that he was an important person uh, on this team, even for just individual moments. Now, his body of work over the last two seasons, we've talked about it, Keaton. It hasn't been very good, and he was very much deserving of a DFA because he was an awkward fit on this roster and someone that really – didn't get it done defensively. His running skills aren't what they used to be. And offensively, he's always been a big question mark um, ever since that first half a season that he was here. Um, so that makes a whole lot of sense. But I think what all these moves did was this was a shot across the bow of the players that, hey, if you're not performing, um, I don't care what your role was on this team. I don't care if you got a big hit in the World Series last year. I don't care if you were supposed to be the closer uh, coming into the year, Ryan Brazier. I don't care anything. Like, if you're not performing, you are off the roster. And I think that was a message from management that should put things in perspective for this team. That, hey, the honeymoon's over, dudes. And, you know, one thing that Nunez was never shy was to put his body on the line and um, led to some injuries, but he played reckless out there and, and put himself out there on the line for the team, but it, you know, need more than that. And that was, uh, it wasn't surprising, but it, it still doesn't make it not a bummer just because of, uh, how fun he was. But hopefully, uh, this gets them kicked in gear. Although, uh, initial returns haven't been so great. No, the Red Sox are five and five since the, uh, since the all-star break so it, it hasn't been quite so good yet um, but one of the things I did want to talk about is that newly constructed bullpen because watching the team over the last few days I have felt much better about the bullpen as it's currently constructed than I have I think at any point this year Getting Nathan Eovaldi back, uh, who hasn't pitched in the bullpen yet, is huge. Brandon Workman has really solidified himself as one of the options, if not the primary option, at the closer position for the Red Sox. Matt Barnes is being used less now, which I think is only a good thing for him, considering how much better he does with rest. Colton Brewer's been solid. He's still in the bullpen. Marcus Walden has had... Two back-to-back really solid outings, starting to look like old Marcus Walden after Cora successfully avoided using him for quite some time. Heath Hembry doesn't look great. Josh Taylor has been shaky as of late, but I also love the addition of Darwinson Hernandez, who has looked really good since he's come up. 
I think this unit has few pitchers in it that you really don't feel good about when they come into a game. I would say that out of these guys, it's still Hembry Taylor and Colton Brewer who are the weak links, but even those guys I feel considerably better about than some of the other options that they've had at different points this year. Yeah, and I am I'm starting to feel better and better about Darwin's and Hernandez each time he comes in. He hasn't lost it with the walks, and he's striking out almost everybody he faces. So can't really ask for much more than that. So that's great. Um, feeling better about that. And I think Barnes not being relied on so heavily is huge as well. Uh, I think you're right. I feel surprisingly good about what they have here um, as long as Barnes doesn't get overused, Darwin's and continues to strike people out versus walk them. Walden kind of writes that ship because it was bad uh, for pretty significant stretch there after it was also really good for a significant stretch, and Taylor's kind of gone that way too. It's... I mean, I, I feel probably the best about it now that I have over at any point during the season, like you said, but I don't know if that's still great because of how inconsistent they've been. It just feels like they're all being consistent at the same time, and I'm just kind of waiting for it to all fall apart, which isn't great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still not something that you feel – amazing about um as a as a unit but you definitely feel better about it than you did when walden was going bad and when some of these other guys were in there so well it's not perfect it's certainly a step forward but i think that cora is yeah. pushing the right buttons and more importantly dave dombrowski is finally showing a willingness to push the envelope with some of these guys that could hurt them i mean we 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 knew that Darwinson Hernandez was a bullpen guy, and they finally stopped beating around the bush and stretching him out and put him in the bullpen and made him pitch out of the stretch. And they're doing the same thing now with Tanner Houck. So it wouldn't surprise me if um, any of those three that we talked about, whether it's Colton Brewer or Heath Hembry or Josh Taylor, start to struggle a little bit that we see Tanner Houck up in that role uh, as well pretty soon. And... Um, I also don't think any of those three spots are safe if they decide to add to the team. Um, those would be the ones that I would look look to, to to get moved down. And all of a sudden, this bullpen has gone from having zero lefties uh, for a huge part of the year to now having two, with Josh Taylor being basically a fixture of this pen in Darwin's and Hernandez, two lefties who are now squarely in the pen. Yeah, and it's not... Large sample sizes, but um, it is a handful of appearances by Barnes, Hernandez, and Taylor, and all three of them have 100% strand rates since the All-Star break. So that's good to see. That's a that's a good segue, actually. I would like to talk about how people have done um, on this team since the All-Star break, and I'd like to start with the hitters. Um, so... What Keaton and I did was we looked at stats from um, the 12th forward. Um, these stats run from the 12th, which was their first game on the after the All-Star break until 
uh, the Saturday night game where they dropped 16 runs. They don't include today's Sunday game because it's fan graphs and we're recording the day of that game. But just to give you an idea of how players have been performing, Xander Bogarts over that stretch of time, we know he's been incredibly hot. 264 WRC+. plus, Just playing out of his goddamn mind right now. Brock Holt uh, also playing exceptionally well. About half the plate appearances of Xander Bogarts, but he's got a 209 WRC plus over that time. Mookie Betts, 192. Rafael Devers, staying scorching hot, 187. All those guys are absolutely carrying the offensive load of the team, but it's especially been the performance of Devers, Betts, and Bogarts here who have carried the offense recently. <laughs> Bogarts in eight days has one war. Took him eight days. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> he has four home runs and ten That's RBIs stupid. over that stretch. He's batting four eighty six. Yeah, that's that's absurd. <laughs> He's so locked in right now. It's unbelievable. Good to see uh, Mookie back there doing his thing again too. Almost walking more than he struck out since the All Star break, hitting over four hundred and point uh, seven WAR. That's pretty solid. Yeah, and the the thing that stands out with him is that he's slugging finally too. He's got a 684 yeah. slugging over that span, which is really what you want to see from him. On the flip side of things, Jackie Bradley Jr. has cooled off a little bit. He's at 104. He had been in the 120s, 130s for a while after he figured things out. Christian Vasquez is at 90. Sandy Leon at 86. That's a little inconsequential to the team. Benintendi still struggling mightily. 60 WRC+. plus. Michael Chavis, still struggling, 51 WRC+. And J.D. Martinez, who is definitely not opting out, 37 WRC+. Um, J.D. has been struggling for a long time now. If you go back a month, J.D. is right around 100 in WRC+. He has not been the same guy since the back stuff. No, he is not. Which, um, I mean, we talked about when it happened. It's It's not stuff that goes away. We thought that. Um, he was either going to need significant time off, which obviously they couldn't afford, or he was probably going to have to sit out some games um, and take a couple like minimum stints over the course of the season, which they still probably couldn't afford. And he's had one for sure. I can't remember if he's had two or not, but he's definitely had one. But because of the lack of depth in the outfield, they actually had to stick him out there, and it has shown that he's got some kind of funk going on. And he needs to, uh, they need to find some other option for whenever they need to give somebody a day off in the outfield because he needs to stay as a uh, a DH until wishful thinking the World Series, and then you wouldn't want to take his bat out of the lineup. But long way off before we get there, so let's just worry about getting there, getting to the playoffs first, and you just you just got to stay the DH. Can't have him running out there with all these back issues. Yeah, absolutely. And another reason why you can't trade GAD. I mean, uh, Jackie. Um, let's go over to the pitching side of it. It has been the story of the starting pitching struggling over the last uh, 10 games that have really hurt the Red Sox here. Eduardo Rodriguez has been the only starter who has been worth his salt. He has 13.1 innings pitched, 203 ERA. He's been performing awesome. 
But Rick Porcello, man, this guy can't get it figured out, which is exactly why he has no value right now. His ERA over his last 10 starts is over 10, or, or last five starts is over 10. His ERA uh, over the last two starts is 8.18. Chris Sale at 4.22 with his good last start. David Price at 7. Um, and then Andrew Kashner, who is, his numbers from today aren't included in this, um, but he gave up uh what was it four Four runs today and six in his one before that andrew kashner has been miserable um so really it's been one good price from start uh sale i should say two good prices (laughs) two good prices two good starts from eduardo rodriguez and that's been all you've got from your starting rotation over that stretch of time yep not good and um not good teams to have these lapses against got to be able to beat toronto got to be able to beat baltimore this is a little pathetic yeah dropping two out of three from baltimore a few people asked me if this was like the low point of the season and yeah i don't know that it's i don't actually feel like it's worse than that first stretch where they were like three and eight or whatever to start the year i think that was definitely the most painful stretch of the season but this was very much in the not good uh, category. So I want to talk about some things that are good over this time period. Josh Taylor, 208 ERA. Brandon Workman, 245. Marcus Walden, 245. Matt Barnes, zero. Um, Those are key fixtures. Darwinson Hernandez, zero. The bullpen has been much better. Okay, There are still a few guys who are not performing amazingly. Colton Brewer, 4.15. That's totally fine from him. Um, Hector Velasquez, 6. That's why he was demoted. Ryan Brazier, 16.8. That's why he was demoted. Heath Hembry, who allowed another home run today, 11.57. Heath Hembry is doing some Heath Hembry things right now. Not good Heath Hembry things. Um, but by and large, that's a unit that has been doing what it's supposed to do since the since the break. And, I mean, we just talked about how this is why we feel good about it. We have... A handful of guys who are doing really, really well, and that's um, you know for as crappy as Kastner has pitched, he has been able to get through five, six innings. So they haven't had to chop together bullpen days and overuse guys, and so they've been able to keep this the way it has been. They added Darwin's and Hernandez, haven't used Evaldi yet, but he's been added so they can stretch guys days off before uh, you know they don't have to use Barnes in back-to-back games because he's the only guy that can get outs. They have Workman, they have Darwinson, they have Taylor, so they can use Barnes sparingly, and when they need to, they can pick their spots, um, just like they can give the other guys rests and pick their spots with them using Barnes. So this is probably how uh, originally Cora wanted to use his bullpen, but it's just been so bad and inconsistent since the start that they just haven't been able to do it, but now it's all clicking, and they're able to do it and haven't even gotten to toss of all the into the gumbo yet. So be interesting to see how it plays out uh, with him getting innings as well. Yeah, certainly starting to look a lot better. So let's, uh, let's move on to the listener questions here. Um, our first one that we haven't a- uh, answered yet, because we did answer the ones from Mike and Ben so far uh, is from the, Whoever this is with the hammer and sickle signal. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, he comrade. says, 
<laughs> Why are fans so mad? Uh, we won the World Series last year. We gutted our farm system uh, just for that reason. Why are people surprised 2019 is spent paying the Pied Piper? Keaton, you want to take a crack at this one? Sure, because it's the same team and they're more talented and doing worse. I mean, Devers is much better. Bogarts is much better. Teddy Martinez took a step back. Benintendi took a step back. The starting pitching is the same, and they took a step back. So it's uh, you expected Chris Sale to be Cy Young contender. He's not. Uh, Price on the whole has been fine. Um, Not so great as of late, but Eduardo Rodriguez, he's been taking a step forward. Um, Porcello, major step back. Bullpen. Very inconsistent. Uh, So it's a team that has just as much talent as the team that won the World Series last year, but has been incredibly inconsistent and should be competing for uh, a, or should have been competing for a division title with the Yankees and isn't uh, and is now on the outside looking in as of right now. So that's why people are mad. At least that's why I'm mad. Yeah. And and I would uh, also say that. The, the offense has been fine, even though they haven't all performed at the exact same time um, like they did often last year. Um, but you wouldn't say that's the problem. I would even say the no. bullpen hasn't been the biggest problem this year. It's really been the starting pitching that was, you know, surprisingly enough, um, despite the results, the thing that was invested in in the offseason. There was really that decision made to invest in Eovaldi rather than investing in Kimbrell. And uh, the starting rotation is probably the single biggest reason why this season has gone as it has. So I think that's why people are so mad. Uh, Just, you know, jumping off what you said, Keaton, is because there was every reason to believe that that starting rotation should have been one of the best in baseball. Yep. It wasn't a a one-or-done thing last year, particularly with the core of the team being Devers, Bogarts, Betts, all those, and, I mean, Martinez, all those guys returning, there was no need or no reason to expect them to not compete this year. Yeah, it was very much a different feel from like 2013 when you when you knew you like we had caught lightning in a bottle that year. You <laughs> right. know, like that was that was something that happened and it was awesome, but we were not expecting it to continue. This uh, this had the look of a dynasty here, so that's why people yep. are pissed. Uh, Bill O'Malley asks a. Question not too dissimilar to Mike Teague and Ben Jacobson. I almost grouped it in, but decided not to. He says, time to blow this up. Trade Mookie, Price, JD. Getting one hit and losing yet another series to a AAA team in a must-win situation is beyond embarrassing. It should be the last straw. Farm system is barren. Time to reload. So Bill is coming at it from the idea that, um, you know, because this was such an embarrassing loss to, to Baltimore, that they should be sellers. What say you to that, Keaton? I mean, it was embarrassing, that's for sure. I mean, I don't disagree with that. But um, there, the farm is barren. It has – it's slightly top-heavy. Like there's like three names at the top that are interesting, that are heavily outweigh the rest. But the thing about prospects is there's always more prospects. So it's not going to be long before – Red Sox have some other names. They, uh, I do not believe, have any restrictions on their draft picks or international signing bonuses anymore. So they can have at it next year, 
have a blast signing anybody they want. Yeah, and I also want to say here that like the the Red Sox can do both, right? They can try and regroup, and we laid out all the reasons why even being sellers wouldn't help them regroup that much. And selling Mookie would help them in that regard, but is also counterproductive because Mookie's a player in his prime that you're looking to lock up. Um, but they've done a really good job on the international front and in the draft the last couple of years. And as someone who's been looking very closely at their short season level uh, lull um, this year, I have to say that the upcoming class of guys, the rising prospects in this system are much better than I would say the middle level of the system, the guys who are now in Salem and Portland. Um, so better is coming. So just be patient. And that's a big reason why Dave Dombrowski didn't spend a lot of prospect capital this year or last year um, trying to get something done. And I don't think like you'd be looking at trading Martinez would be similar to trading Stanton for what the Marlins did, which was there's always the threat that he'll opt out. And if he doesn't, you're on the hook for a lot of money for an aging player. Now, Martinez is like, four years older than Stanton when he was traded. I think Stanton was like 27. So probably be worse. But but the money is like half, not even. Well, I mean, on a yearly basis, it's not all that different. But the you're not, you would, point being, you wouldn't get much. So the people thought you'd have to give up a shit ton to get Stanton because of his age. But basically... There was a threat that he could opt out, and then if he opted out, then you just gave up a shit ton for just a year or two of Stanton. And then if he doesn't opt out, then you're still on the hook for, I think at the time it was like $300 million because there were still like 11 years left on the deal. Yeah, they're going to be building the next Yankee Stadium by the time his deal expires. Right. And so it's a similar situation with J.D. Martinez. Either there's a threat of him opting out at the end of the year, so you're not going to give up a lot. And if he doesn't, then you're still on the hook for a 32-year-old who's making was it $22.5 million uh, who has a bum back. So you're not going to get much in return. What you think you would get is not going to be the actual return, similar to Stanton. Betts, probably similar to what the Orioles got for Machado, which was, um, I think, there was, I mean, it's the, there's the extra year with bets, so maybe it would be more, being a little bit more. Yeah, but it was still an underwhelming package. I mean, it was like Dean Kramer was like the headliner of that package. That's not all that exciting. So I'd rather just hold on to those guys and then just go with draft picks and international signees next year instead, and just pick from that crop, keep those guys playing rather than reload through someone else's farm. And the Red Sox are extremely good at international scouting as well. So that has that has sure yielded are. players like Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts and more and more and more. All right, Randy McRoberts has our next question. It is, is it time to give up on the Red Sox playoffs hope for this year? No. Not quite yet. No. Well, let's see how this next 14 games go because this is the defining stretch of the season. Yes. Dutch Sox fan says, why are the Sox so bad? Starting pitching, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bill O'Donnell, not to be confused with Bill O'Malley, comes with our next question. He says, 2019 Sox, why? Bill, I ask myself this every day. 
every day. Why? <laughs> have you have you come to an answer yet, Keaton? No, I haven't. But you know, sometimes therapy helps. Yeah. LDA asks us: Is it time to get rid of a bunch of veterans and load the farm? No, we already talked about that. Um, just rewind the podcast a little bit. Um, thank you for the question, though. Mike Ragoza has our next question. He says, assuming they make the playoffs, which is a big assumption, agreed, do you really see them making a deep playoff run? I think this is an interesting question. Mm. It sure is. Well, they would have to beat Oakland in Oakland. They can do that. Then the Yankees. That would be harder. But I would still feel good about it. I don't know and if I'd feel good, but I'd, I'd feel okay. Would you feel good about that? Red Sox and Yankees? I mean, if they had got if they got to the playoffs, then I'm assuming Sales figured his ish out. And I would like our starting pitching better than theirs. Okay, I see that. I, I would see uh, no reason why they couldn't. But I could also see few reasons why they wouldn't. Because then trying to beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium in a five-game series isn't going to be easy. Yeah, I'll answer this in a completely non-analytic way, Mike. Um, it doesn't feel like it. This this doesn't have the feel of a team that's ready to make a <laughs> yeah, deep run. Yeah, probably a better answer. Um, Mercy Choir has our last question of the night, which is a very fitting last question. What now? Well, I'm probably going to go take a shower, and um, I think Keaton's going to do some editing, and uh, we're going to... i got to take a shower, though, too. Yeah. Four and a half hours on a plane. Feeling nasty. Oh, yeah. That's, that's no good. And then I'm going to go to bed. So that's what. Yeah, take a shower, pour myself some coffee, edit this pod. It's a wrap. Try it all again tomorrow. All right. I think. They, have, they play tomorrow and off there? They yeah, play? They, they, they play tomorrow. Tampa, Tampa Bay. how about it? Thank God Strap it's on the in. road. All right. Well, we thank you for listening to this podcast, for giving us a download. We really appreciate that. If you did enjoy it, and we hope you did, please tell your friends about it. Anybody who's a Red Sox fan in your life, even Nana and Grandpa and anyone else, uh, tell them about how they can play this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. Rate and review our podcast. Communicate with us on Twitter about our podcast at at DevJake and at the Spoken Keats. And follow the Over the Monster account for all of the latest Red Sox news at, at Over the Monster. So thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate you, the listener, and we will be with you next week. At me with your burger takes. Yes, don't forget those. <laughs>